Welcome to LifePoint. My name is Mike Burnett. I get to serve here as lead pastor. If you're new with us, you're a guest and you're checking out our church for the first time, we want to say a big welcome to you and thanks for coming. Also, if you are joining us online, maybe for the first time or back in a while, we're so glad to be with you as well. Like Pastor Mark said, if you would just send us that text or turn in a connection card and we promise to follow up and, and be easy on you. Hey, next Sunday, we're, we've got some things kicking off. We're starting a new series in the parables for six weeks. We're taking a break from the book of Acts. But also, we're launching a new video venue in East Valley of Phoenix. So I'm very excited about that. We'll have a Phoenix location, so we're thankful for them coming on. Yeah, thank you, two people. The rest of you, what's up with it? Come on, we're pushing the gospel forward, everybody. Feels forced. Just didn't feel feel genuine, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, hey, um, we're in week three of our 21 days of prayer. I don't know about you, but I've really enjoyed this. Our family has been having increased... times of prayer, and you're having to be very intentional about that because it's easy to let the day get by. I want to ask you to increase uh, your prayer time for this last week in this 21 days of prayer. And also, this Tuesday specifically, would you consider joining us live in the room at our Rossview campus or online if you can't make it? Uh, even turn it on at work. You know, we'll be streaming on our Facebook and our website. Um, but from 9 to 10 a.m., we're on Central Time, so no matter where you're watching, that, that way you know. Join us for our time of prayer. But if you're in town, come join us in the room. We're going to have some uh, concerted time of prayer. And specifically, I want to ask you to pray about a couple areas, and I'm just going to take a moment to just pastor for a second, and then I'm going to get into the message. Number one, I'm, I'm asking this week, can we be praying about everything happening in Afghanistan? Come on, everybody. Like, I know all of us, especially being a military church, we've got a lot of opinions and thoughts and feelings about this, but as people of God, we should also be people of prayer. And so we're going to pray. We're going to pray that God, here's been my prayer, and I know it's bold and audacious. I'm praying for revival to hit the Middle East. I'm praying for revival to hit Afghanistan. Jesus talked about, uh, there's this prophecy about those who follow him. They'd lay down their weapons for plowshares. They'd lay down weapons to do work for the kingdom of God. And I would just love to see um, conflicts resolved in our world because Christ is king of those lands. Can I hear an amen, everybody? But we're going to pray for what's happening in Afghanistan. Also, Haiti, uh, in July, they president assassinated and then this weekend they had a 7.2 magnitude earthquake but i may be thankful we partner with convoy of hope who's already on the ground they have a distribution center and resource available right now and you're giving actually through this one day to feed the world that's how we actually got connected to to one day to feed the world was partnering with uh, ministries in haiti in particular so we need to be praying for them there's hundreds of people that were uh, that lost their lives and families impacted and victims from that hurricane that uh, earthquake so um, also, if you would please pray over our community and our city and our church, a number of our folks on Dream Team, even staff, we're, we're just seeing people in our community with COVID rising and cases rising. And I know we all have thoughts and feelings and opinions about that, but let me just tell you something. Um, none of those thoughts matter when you're dealing with a sick person. And we're going to pray for God to bring healing and restoration and transformation to their physical bodies. We got some staff members that are out right now with COVID and it's not good. It's bad. So we just need prayer. We need God to heal uh, and bring healing. I've been praying over this nation for the last year that God would eradicate this virus from the earth. And so just keep praying. And we are giving this 21 days of, of prayer. And so we're going to pray about those things in just a moment. Also, we've been talking about for the last two weeks, you know, God, what would you have us give towards one day to feed the world? We do two times a year big offerings, and it's never for us, but it's always to give away through our partnership with Convoy of Hope, one in January and then in August with our 21 days of prayer. So we partnered with this One Day to Feed the World initiative. And the idea is figure out your annual salary, calculate it, divided by what you get paid per day. And would you give one day of your wages to help feed kids around the world? Through our feeding program uh, with Convoy of Hope, it's $30 will feed one kid for an entire month, Monday through Friday, every day at school. And so we partner with 
Christian organizations, Christian schools, and we, we feed kids every day, many of them that have no other meal. And so 30 bucks a month will feed a kid all month long. And so the one day to feed the world, this is kind of a, a, a calculating guide for us as to what kind of impact will that make. So what you do is you take your salary divided by 250 working days. And I kind of made a chart for you because uh, I'm going to be a doc. I'm a doctor now, so I'm going to do some charts. Um, here's some math for you. How many of you love math? How many of you thought, why did I take some of those classes in high school? I never had to use Pythagorean theorem ever in my life. Anyway, anybody regularly figuring out the third arm of a triangle? No? Okay. Second service, love that joke. I don't even care what you think about it, so forget it. <laughs> let, me, let me just give you some math help, okay? And you figure out where you are in this category to figure out what one day's wage for you. So let's say you make 15 grand a year. Um, and what you do is kind of, you just divide it 250, 250 working days. That's 50 weeks, two weeks of vacation, 50 working weeks. This doesn't include vacations and margins and all that stuff. Just we're using round numbers here, people. 15 grand a year, 250 days. Uh, uh, so your one day's wage is $60. And just so you know the impact of 60 bucks, you'll feed a kid for two months with one day's wage. To me, that's a great investment. That's a great gift. 30 grand, 250 days. Is $120, that's feeding one kid for four months. You can see the chart, you know, where do you fit? $100, uh, if you make $100,000 a year by 250 days, uh, working days, that's 400 bucks per day is your income. Uh, you'll feed a kid for 13 months. To me, this is just like 400 bucks is worth a, a year and a month of feeding some kid somewhere around the world. And by the way, uh, because of what's happened in Haiti, maybe a lot of our resource will probably directly impact them. Look at this, this is 200 grand a year. Uh, if that's your household income, divide by 250 working days, that's less than an iPhone. Just perspective, because every time one of those comes out, many of us go get the new one. But you can, for less than an iPhone, you can feed a kid for two years and two and a half months. Does that just seem, but this is like 80 Android phones. I mean, just think of the math here. <laughs> don't get mad with your green bubbles, I don't care. So you're going to text me in a group chat and kick me out because my bubbles are blue? I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> the point is, look, I'm, I'm just giving this as a resource. Here's the reality. Uh, we've said for years, I, I don't want anybody giving because they're manipulated or arm twisted. God's been dealing with me about giving this summer. In fact, uh, while, I was all, while I was on vacation, the Lord woke me up in the middle of the night with this thought. Um, everything I have is his. How many of you believe that, right? Because the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So let's try this one more time. Everything we have is God's. Okay, so what if you let God direct how you give away some of his money? Think of it like that. So that's, that's why we pray. We go, Lord, here's everything I have. Here's everything I make per day. Here's all that I have to offer. What would you like me to do? And then here's, here's what you do. Obey God. It's really simple. Like, don't worry about the math. Nobody from here is gonna be checking and calculating and you should fit in this category. You just ask God, and do what he says. And maybe God will say, I want you to give three-day salary, five-day salary. Maybe God will say, just forget the day's calculations, and I just want you to give a $10,000 check. Who knows what God will have you do? But here's what I believe. If you'll ask God, he'll tell you, and then he'll help you obey him. Can I hear an amen, everybody? Come on. So let's pray about these things. We're in 21 days of prayer. Let's pray about these things, and then we'll move on. God, we love you, and we thank you for the opportunity to come to you in prayer. We thank you, Lord God, that you hear our prayers. Your word says that, that the prayers of the saints are like sweet-smelling incense to your throne. That means, God, you take delight and pleasure when we pray and bring these things to you. So, God, first of all, we want to pray for families in Haiti. God, knowing that you are a God of healing and restoration and peace, would you bring provision to bear in Haiti? Thank you that the church would shine brighter than ever 
in Haiti? Would you bring healing to victims of this earthquake who are injured and hurt? God, would you bring peace to those who have lost loved ones? And Lord, let us be a part of praying for Haiti and serving them well. God, we pray over Afghanistan and really everything happening in that region of the world. God, I just ask that you would move by the sovereignty of your Holy Spirit. Let the church become so alive in that part of the world. And God, let revival break through. We pray for our soldiers that are possibly looking to go downrange again. Lord, would you bring peace and comfort in this unsettling times. I pray for the families of our soldiers, men and women who are going there. God, would you give your angels charge around them? Psalm 91 said that you would give your angels charge around us to watch over us and keep us. Psalm 144, one says that, that God, it is you who trains our hands for battle and our fingers for war. God, would you keep our soldiers sharp, alert, and aware and protected in Jesus' name. We pray over this, uh, this COVID virus that's affecting so many families and especially kids as we're going back to school. Lord, would you give your angels charge around our schools here in Clarksville and, and in Middle Tennessee. And God, we pray over this nation that, Lord, this virus would be eradicated from the earth. Your word says we have not because we don't ask. And so, Lord, we're just asking. We're asking with right motives that people would turn to you, God, and look to you. And God, finally, we pray over this one day to feed the world opportunity to give next week. And God, no matter how we give it online, through the mail, whatever it is, Lord, would you direct our giving? Because it's a privilege to give to you and through this church so that others can be blessed and touched with the gospel even more than food. In Jesus' name, we love you, Lord. Amen. Hey, as you give, you can do that, by the way, next week. We're going to have the, like our focus giving, and, and it's above and beyond your normal tithes and offerings, but you can give online on our app, however you want to do it. And I, I did some math based on the size of our church and the city and the income that we have. We're, we're about 3,000 families, so whatever that math looks like uh, for our attendance, but at, at the average income of Clarksville per day is $214 per day. If every family did that, the average, it'd be like $640,000. Could you imagine being able to give that to, to help feed and develop small businesses and do all that work through one day to feed the world? I'm just telling you what's possible, but we're gonna just pray and seek the Lord and do what he says. Can I hear an amen, everybody? All right, turn with me to Acts chapter five, and uh, we're, we're picking up where we left off last week. So we've had Ananias and Sapphira, their, their death and the people respond to the Lord with awe and reverence. And then last week we saw these miracles keep happening and even the shadows of the apostle Peter would bring healing to people when they got up under the shadows, the people are being delivered from demons. I mean, uh, it's amazing what God has been doing. And we're gonna finish out chapter five. It's a long passage, but I've, I've titled the message today, uh, Questions I Ask About Our Faith. Now, when I, when I read um, first of all, I'm not good at titling sermons, so that's why this title is a little odd. But when I read a passage like this one today, uh, it's long, and you have to remember the book of Acts is an historical narrative. So it's not a, a gospel letter, the story of Jesus, it's the story of the church. It's, it's not an epistle like of instructions from the Apostle Paul to a church. So think of the book of Acts like a documentary with Ken Burns, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's like planet Earth with the guy, the guy with the British voice and the whales. Swimming through the ocean. You know that, what's the name? David Attenborough. That's 50-50, you know what I'm saying? Like I could, I, could, I could make a little money with that impression. Anyway, I look at the book of Acts like a documentary and, and it's showing us the activity of God within the people of God. It's showing us the birth of the new church. We're seeing miracles. We're seeing lifestyles and devotions of prayer and fellowship to one another. We're seeing the ministry of the early church. But when I read the passage today after the death of Ananias and Sapphira, after the miracles that happened in the middle of Acts chapter five, then we watch they get arrested and their response to being arrested. I leave a text like today with questions. So we're gonna walk through this passage and I'm gonna just challenge you with four of the questions that I came up with. 
that, that I reflect on my own life. When I read the story of the book of Acts, how many of you watch a movie and you go, man, if I were William Wallace, this is what I would have done, right? Like you watch movies and you insert yourself into the story, correct? Y'all know, hello? Well, when I read this story in the book of Acts, I go, what would I do if I were in this story? What, what kind of pastor would I be? What kind of preacher would I be? What kind of Christian would I be? What kind of faith would I have? Would I have gone to jail like them? Would I have... Would I have been on the Pharisee and Sadducee squad? You know what I'm saying? Because I would have been a, a seminary trained guy. Would I have been one of those dudes? So I read, I read passages like this and I ask questions particularly about my current life. And I go, what about my faith journey today? Do I have commitments to God like they had commitments to God in Acts chapters one, two, and three? I read these early church leaders and I wonder if I would live like them, if I would preach like them, if I would be so confident in the resurrection of Jesus like them. I read about these early church Christians and I'm challenged to think, do I keep my level of passion and fire as strong for God as they did? They didn't have a Sunday only Christianity. They had an everyday fire and passion for God and prayer. So I want us to walk through this text and I wanna ask some questions, four questions really, as you're taking notes. But just remember our backstory so far in five chapters. Jesus is raised from the dead, he's empowered the church. He's equipped them with the Holy Spirit He's called them to preach. They've had miracles. They're speaking in tongues. They're laying hands on the sick. They're doing all these things. And literally thousands of people are getting saved. Thousands are getting saved. Many of them are getting healed, miracles. And in, in one passage, it said everyone they brought with a sickness or affliction got healed. Everybody is getting miracles. The Christian community is growing rapidly. They've got some particular devotions devoted to prayer, sharing meals together, scripture, generous as like crazy generosity. They love and fear God. They're walking in purity. Acts chapter four, we saw Pastor Bo preach a couple weeks ago. They were arrested and not arrested by the cops or the Roman guard. They were arrested by the religious people. By the way, not a dream team at LifePoint. There's no like arrest you team. You know what I'm saying? Like there's nobody hunting you down from LifePoint Church trying to take you to jail, right? So Acts chapter four, they're arrested and beaten by the religious leaders. I don't know, like, I'm not that kind of pastor. You know what I'm saying? We don't have that dream team either. We don't have the whoop em team. <laughs> what team are you on? I'm a parking lot, I was a kid point, I'm on the whoop em team. And then in Acts four, they were told never again to preach the gospel of Jesus. Never do it again or we'll kill you or we'll put you back in jail. So they kept preaching. And it was after they were arrested in Acts chapter four, it says that the disciples went back to the, to the gathering with the other disciples and they prayed so hard in thanks to God, they worshiped God, they prayed, it said they prayed so hard, the building shook. Have you ever been to a prayer meeting where the building shook? That's either like serious move of God or bad foundation and contractor. You know what I'm saying? That's bad. They prayed so hard, it said the place they were praying was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they kept preaching even stronger. Well, then we get to chapter five and they're arrested again. Now you would think by this point, folks in Jerusalem are like, this church is doing okay. Like they're growing, they hit the newspaper, like they're seeing miracles, they're super generous. But then we get to this place where the religious leaders are upset and angry again. So one of my first questions that I ask as we go through this story is, does my faith cost me anything? Like does serving God actually cost me something? And not just like, time on a Sunday. I mean, I get an hour and a half. I got to fight the traffic, parking lot, you know, coffee's not hot, whatever. I'm talking, does it for real cost me anything? Let's pick up in the story. So Ananias and Sapphira's death, people are fearing God, many signs and wonders done, Peter's shadows healing people, demoniacs and those with unclean spirits getting healed. But the high priest, 
rose up and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees. Now the Sadducees is a sect of the Jewish um, religion. There's the Pharisees and the Sadducees in particular, the two dominating sects. Now the Pharisees, they fought Jesus all the time. The Sadducees questioned Jesus during his ministry, but now the chief priest and the whole party of the Sadducees raise up and they're mad. Look what it says, they are filled with jealousy. And so they arrested the priests. Didn't know this was a skill of priesthood. Never learned this in seminary. There's no like how to arrest people class in seminary. I'm just telling you. They arrested the apostles and put them in public prison, which shows the dysfunctional relationship between the clergy and the government that they literally can arrest people that disagree with them and put them in public prison. It's like your church having you arrested, not like timeout in a Sunday school class. You know what I'm saying? It's like put you in Montgomery County Jail. That's how corrupt and like intertwined all this was going on. By the, say, by the way, the Sadducees were the group of the, the, the Jewish traditions that did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. They didn't believe in miracles from God at all. And they didn't believe in angels. And we're about to see them confronted with a group preaching on the resurrection of Jesus, the miracle of, of God healing and transforming people, and even an angel's about to bust them out of jail. So this is a sad day for the sad juicies. <laughs> so here's the Sadducees filled with jealousy. They arrest the apostles and put them into prison. The scene is crazy to me. I mean, what kind of church people are these, right? They're the leading religious group of the day. And can I just say one of the observations that I have about this passage is religious people can be very mean. Anybody ever been on the receiving end of that before? Religious people can be very mean. The, the Christians are living the good life, miracles, salvation, generosity. Everything's happening like Jesus said it would happen. Uh, but now he also said that you'd be persecuted for my name's sake, so that's coming too. But you would think the Sadducees are going, you know, my aunt got healed of her back issues and my uncle got healed of his leg issues and my, my cousin got saved and she's super generous now and, and God's doing a work. It's not what he did in my life, but he's doing something in their life. What's interesting is the Sadducees, are, they've allowed jealousy and anger to cloud their, their ability to see what God's up to. Hey, by the way, some of us struggle with the same thing. We come from traditions where you come to a place like LifePoint, and you go, that's not what I grew up, that's not, I don't know that that pastor does everything like I say. And we get so clouded in our judgment and our focus and our criticism that we don't let God do a new thing because we're too focused on our thing. Anyway, that's another sermon. I'll preach that to the fourth service. But you would think everybody would be excited about what's happening. I mean, the Sadducees and the Pharisees knew all the prophecies of the Messiah to come and all these miracles that should be happening and boom, they're happening. And rather than be excited, they arrest the people that are doing this ministry. There's something sneaky about religion and a religious spirit. Religion tends to really like its power and really like, like hates having its power taken away. Now, some of you may be asking, isn't Christianity a religion? I would actually argue against that sentiment. In fact, I would argue that the message of Jesus is that you can have a life-giving and personal relationship with God. Jesus did not come to establish a new religion. Jesus came to repair relationship between you and I and a holy God. And you can have personal relationship with God and you don't come into Christianity with a rule book or a pamphlet on how to behave now. You come to God and he transforms your life because there's intimacy and connection with him. The difference in Christianity and religion is, is Christianity is actually gifted to us as a way to know God, not to just pretend to look like you belong to God. But religion has a way, and especially the corporate expression of religion. 
right? As we organize and we become more corporate in our expression, corporations hate to lose power. They hate to lose market share. Let me just say this as an aside. God has not called you to belong to the Christian religion. God's inviting you to belong to Christ and to look like Jesus. And that's what we wanna help facilitate for you as a church. My job is not to make you a brand loyalist of LifePoint or this tradition of Christianity. My goal is to lead you to be fully devoted follower of Jesus. Not of me, not of this brand, but of Jesus Christ. Can I hear a big amen, everybody? That's why we do small groups the way we do, worship services the way we do. That's why we preach the way we do. But here's the deal, the religious establishment did not like what was happening. You know why? Because they were losing people to this Christian cult, right? This Christian group. And specifically, the Sadducees were the group that did not believe in resurrection, angels, or miracles. And the Christians are preaching, Jesus resurrected, he's still doing miracles. And actually in Acts 1, an angel shows up and tells them, keep preaching. They got so angry. In chapter 4, it says they were annoyed when they arrested him. Now they're jealous and angry. And so they had him arrested and thrown in public jail. And we can talk about all the details of that story. But here's the question that makes me ask. Am I also willing to suffer for the Lord? And has serving God cost me anything? Like for these New Testament Christians, they're five chapters into this new thing and they've already been to jail twice. How many of you would like to have a pastor who's been to jail twice within a month? How many of you think it'd be pretty cool? How many of you would leave our church over it? <laughs> How many of you would reshare my mugshot on your Facebook and be like, I can't believe what Pastor Mike was doing in the secret. You know, like, I know a lot of you would. Please don't do that to me. But I haven't been arrested yet. So <sighs> thank you very much. Does serving Jesus really cost me anything? Listen to these questions I'm wrestling through in this sermon. Is how I live my life for God risky at all? I'll be honest, in a church like ours, in the South, this is like the bougiest version of Christianity there is. I mean, are you kidding me? We have hot coffee ready when you get here. We got parking lot. We just repaved the parking lot so that you can clearly get into a nicely paved and painted parking spot. We do kids ministry for you at no charge. Where else can you go and get a hilarious, comedic, inter, like entertaining and challenging speech, worship music that's record quality, hot coffee for free, childcare, the whole, this is the greatest date night of your life. We just bougie it all up for you. It don't cost you nothing to be a Christian at this church. Are you, like, does you getting up put hell on notice? Does your company know that you belong to Jesus? Does your boss know, do your kids know, like, hey, we're gonna stand for God, and it's gonna, it may cost us relationships, it may cost us some freedoms one day, it may cost us opinions from others. We think suffering from, for, for being a Christian is when people don't like our, our you know, our, our memes that we put out with scriptures on them. But these guys were, they're twice in jail. They're failed. They're, they have a record. Criminals arrested for preaching. Is how I live my life risky at all for God? Think about that for you and your family. Does serving God cost you something? Has, has it cost you anything with your uh, reputation and, and your relationships with others? I'm talking more than an hour and a half on a Sunday. Do we live so boldly that the devil is afraid of you getting up in the morning? Many of us say things like, well, I don't want to offend people. Into heaven? Like we have this terrible notion in America, right? Like you keep your politics to yourself and you keep your religion to yourself. Well, we've all abandoned the keep your politics to yourself part. But we have this idea that you keep your religion private, your faith private. The problem with that is Jesus actually said, you promote my kingdom over all these kingdoms. 
And you should always be talking about Jesus. You should always be telling people about Jesus. So it's not the American, the American way is keep your politics and your faith to yourself, but the kingdom of God way is keep the king on full display and talk about Jesus all the time. Don't keep your faith in a bottle. Don't keep your faith. Jesus said, don't hide your light under a basket. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? But many of us say, we don't want to offend people. And we don't want to be persecuted for our faith. We want to live in comfort. But I'm talking about actually costing us anything. I mean, we think it's something to give a day's wages. I'm talking, will you go to prison for this thing? Well, let me say this. There are people in this world right now who are risking their lives to say yes to Jesus. You know, talking about Afghanistan and Iraq, there are underground churches that are exploding, like growing like crazy. And the preachers and the clergy people of those churches are literally being threatened with death every day. We've built, helped build churches in Burkina Faso and in Western Africa where the pastors have been martyred this year because of their faith in Jesus. I heard last week of a Hindu man who'd visited our church and he's trying to decide if he wants to follow Jesus or not. The issue is not whether he believes Jesus is real. The question he's dealing with is, am I willing to be completely cut off from my entire family to follow Jesus? Pastor Mike Campbell, our missions pastor, he and I are friends with a guy named Christopher Alam, who uh, was born in a Muslim family in Jordanian royalty. And he gave his life to Jesus and has become a traveling evangelist. And his own family put a hit on him to have him executed. And we think it's costly serving God. Has it really cost? And I'm, here's the thing, I'm not asking you to go look for suffering. Please martyr me now, you know what I'm saying? But are you willing for it to cost you? Hey, listen, has it cost you your sin? to follow Jesus. We live in a world now that's like, you just be your best, you do whatever makes you happy. Hey, as long as you ain't hurt nobody, you do you, boo. The problem with that is, God goes, that's not what I have for you. Does it cost you your sin to follow God? Does it cost you financially to follow God? Does it cost you with people disowning you and family members? I've had that in my own life. I've told God many times, God, you can have all of me, I'll serve you, I'll do you, whatever you want for me, God, no matter what it costs. And whenever I pray that, I'm always like, but for real, God, I like my life, my house is cool, and I mean, I love where I'm at, come on, don't make me move, you know what I'm saying, Jesus? Woo, I'll do whatever you want as long as I like it, you know? Like, I pray that way too. But the truth is, I would live in a van down by the river with Chris Farley <laughs> if that's what God called me to do. I don't work for me, I work for God. I don't live for me, I live for him. And does it cost us, any, it's just a question I'm wrestling with. And these apostles prove to me something that's like, man, these guys are bold. They don't care what it costs them. I mean, I love the apostle Paul later, you, you know, we'll see his story when he's arrested. And he looks at being arrested as an opportunity to witness to a jailer. He's like, I'm so glad I got arrested to meet you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I wouldn't have met you otherwise. I don't know you at the coffee shop, but here I am in jail to tell you about Jesus. Every part of our lives should be pointing to, are y'all hearing what I'm saying today? So look what happens next, verse 25, watch this. I haven't even gotten to the text, okay. High priest rose up, all who were with him, they're jealous. They arrested the apostles, put them in public prison. But during the night, an angel, Sadducees, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out. How many of you thankful, like, oh, come on, that would be awesome. And he said, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Now, I don't know about you, but if an angel breaks me out of jail, I'm going to Canada. Like I'm going, to, I'm going somewhere else. I'm not going to the temple right next door to the jail. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, I'm out of jail and I'm just going to stay right around here. Anybody else, you'd, run, you'd go at least to Montana? Come on. And when they heard this, they entered the temple. They're obeying, right? And at daybreak, they began to teach. The very reason they were arrested, they go do it again. 
Now, when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, and they sent to the prison to have him brought out. So they don't know they're out in the temple, right? But when the officers came, they didn't find them in prison. Uh Uh-oh. So they returned and reported to the priests. Again, weird collusion there. We found the prison locked, and the guards are still standing at the doors. This is the miracle. This is the angel. It's a bad day for Sadducees. And when the, when the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these words, they were perplexed. And they said, what, is this, what does this mean? And then look at this in verse 25. And then somebody said, look, the guys you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. The very, this is why they don't care what it costs them. The very thing they were arrested for is the thing as soon as God sets them free from their prison, but he hadn't set them free from their assignment, they keep preaching. I don't know about you, but that is powerful. It doesn't, like circumstances shouldn't matter. You should still do whatever it takes to serve God. Come on, somebody. So they're still, hey, you guys thought they were in jail, but they're out here in the temple preaching. And the captain with the officers went and they brought them in. They were like, okay, well, let's go arrest them again, I guess, from preaching. I mean, what a crazy Sunday morning, you know what I'm saying? Can you imagine I'm up here preaching just like these guys and then they just come in and arrest me? Would that make for a weird Sunday? I think that would make it on Reddit. It'd be all these like shaky camera phones like, I need everyone who posts bad videos, just stabilize your camera, please, because I'm trying to watch. Anyway, the captain, (laughs) it's like everyone got a really high-end camera and doesn't know how to keep their hands still. They went out and brought them, not by force this time, because they were afraid of getting stoned, being stoned, not Colorado stoned, being like rocks thrown at them to death by the people. You guys need to stay focused. Now, I think it's really interesting God provided them a way out of their physical bondage, but not out of their assignment to preach. And honestly, it's interesting. These disciples weren't even concerned about their physical bondage. They weren't, they weren't concerned about their physical freedom. They were more concerned about the other people's spiritual freedom. Does it cost us anything to serve God today? Does it cost you anything? Maybe it costs you a day's wages or a month's wages or some money. Maybe it costs you an extra hour and a half on a Sunday to serve on a dream team or get here and to rock some babies. What does it cost you to serve God? These are questions I'm asking. Second, and I don't have an answer. The second question as I walk through the text is do I have the same kind of motivation that they have? Watch the motivation of these people. Watch this, this is amazing. So they've been brought back to the temple and they're still teaching and the captain with the officers brought them in not by force, afraid of being stoned by the people. Verse 27, and when they brought them in, so now they've been rearrested, they set them before the council and the high priest is questioning them, not a judge, not Tom Cruise as a lawyer. It's the high priest is questioning them and says this to them. We strictly charged you. Now this is like, I honor authority, right? Like I get it. But they said, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name, the name of Jesus. Yet you are here and you filled Jerusalem with your teaching. And look at this. And you intend to bring this man, Jesus's blood upon us. The Sadducees, the chief priest says. Isn't this ironic? Jump back to chapter four in your mind. Just remember these Christians, they were told never preach the name of Jesus again. And they beat him and they let him go. And at that time, Peter basically said, is it more important for us to listen to God or to listen to your threats? I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Peter's kind of got a little swagger in his attitude. And he said, we can't help but tell others about Jesus. We can't help it. Well, now they've been arrested again. And the Pharisees, the Sadducees are standing there going, we told you a chapter ago not to preach in this name anymore. And then they said, you've, you've gotten all of Jerusalem worked up. This is the religious establishment losing their influence, right? Losing their power. 
and saying, and you're trying to put Jesus' blood on us. <laughs> you ready? Here's Peter's response. Brilliant, verse 29. We must obey God rather than people. I just want to pause here for a second and say, this statement should be a verse written on the soul of every Christian. If there's a tattoo scripture, you want one right here, it is. We must obey God rather than people. If you will live by this statement alone, can I tell you something? Your life will go a lot better. It's hard to cheat on your spouse when you're obeying God. It's hard to lie on your forms at work when you're obeying God. It's hard to cheat on your taxes when you're obeying God. Hey, but you know the culture says do this, do that. The laws have changed. All these things are free and legal now. Yeah, 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 but I obey God rather than men. But your whole family, I'm going to obey God rather than men. But all of our friends are doing, I'm going to obey God rather than me. But I'm wired this way. I'm, hey, I'm going to obey God rather than me. Incidentally, I think it's great how Peter and James and John, they're honoring to authority but they're not gonna follow authority past following God. People have asked me over the years, you know, laws are changing and whatnot. I'm a big fan, obey the law, do the right thing, obey your boss, like follow the leadership of those in authority all the time until it ever causes you to disobey God. So if a law changes where it don't, no longer obeys God, you gotta choose, am I gonna obey God or am I gonna obey men? Am I gonna obey the laws of the land? Like, here's a great example, for decades, uh, you can drink yourself into oblivion in the comforts of your own home. You can't do it while you're driving. can't do it with public intoxication. You can drink yourself totally passed out in your own house. There's no law against you drinking that way at home, except God's word says, don't be drunk. So I don't care what the law allows. I'm gonna obey God more than men. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? And, and take that into every other situation, right? All kinds of laws have been changing in the last couple of years, especially. I'm gonna obey God instead of men. If we will have this kind of statement motivating how we live our life, I'm telling you, it's really hard to walk in sin when we're walking in obedience to God. It's really hard to, to, to dishonor the Lord with our, our boss or our family or, or with our own flesh when we're trying to obey God. It's the primary motivation of our lives to listen to and to obey and follow God. Listen, our church is not built on rules and religion. Our, our church is built on this. We wanna lead people to be fully devoted followers of, of Jesus. So is that a standard motivation for you as well? And some of us read this, we go, oh, that's the apostles. Of course they felt that way. They were just normal people like us who had just decided, I'm gonna follow God no matter what. I'll never forget in college, I was walking, uh, I went to the University of Tennessee, God's favorite college, Jesus is a volunteer. You've been hearing me say it for years and I'm just, it's just one more gospel truth I've been teaching you. The only crimson blood I care about is the precious blood of Jesus. Come on. <laughs> he volunteered his life. He's not from Alabama. Let's be real. But I remember in college walking on campus, and I just, I'll, I'll never forget, I, I had a, a CD player in my backpack with the over-the-ear headphones. Come on, somebody. Yeah. And I had the um, skip protector turned on, right? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, auto-repeat. And I walk into class, and I'm worshiping the Lord, and I just remember having this moment where I said to the Lord, and I'll never forget this. I said, God, I will follow you and obey you for the rest of my life. And then I said this, even if I have to stand alone for you, I will stand with you. And you gotta have moments like that in your life where you just decide, man, no matter what, no matter what my company says, my boss says, my family says, I may be shunned by others, but man, I am going to follow and obey God. 
Is that a motivation for our lives? These are kind of four thoughts that I'm wrestling through. Do we have the same motivations as them? Look what they, <laughs> this is so gangster, right? Like Peter, so they're like, we told you a chapter ago not to preach in Jesus' name and you're trying to put his blood on us. So Peter goes, should we obey God or you? And then he says this, it's so, so strong. He goes, the God of our fathers, and he's talking to Sadducees and Pharisees who are Jews like him. He goes, guys, I'm talking about our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, resurrection, Sadducees, raised Jesus whom you killed. The Sadducees go, you're trying to put his blood on us. And he goes, it is on you. You did kill him. You crucified him. But that's okay, because God raised him. You thought you killed him? No, 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 God raised him. The one you killed by hanging on a tree, which they knew the Bible says, cursed is anyone who hangs from a tree. He's like, you hanging him on a tree? But no, don't worry about what you did. Look at what God did. God raised him. God exalted him at the right hand as leader and savior to give you repentance. It's like Peter's telling the Sadducees, look, you, we, we threw you in prison for preaching. And Peter goes, okay, so let me preach about it. That is incredible. Does it, like, do we have that kind of boldness and tenacity for the things of God? And here's what's amazing. Peter looks right at the people trying to imprison them again and destroy them and says, God did all of this for you too. It's interesting. I, I'm sad for the Sadducees that they were so blinded by their jealousy that they couldn't see that God had done this for them too. So does it cost us anything? He says, we're witnesses of this. It's the Holy Spirit whom God's given us who obey him. So I'm just asking questions like, do I, do I have this kind of resolve that I'm going to serve God no matter what? I mean, they're standing in the face of their accusers, the ones who want to kill them, and they determine, we're just going to keep preaching. I'm going to preach to you now. They're not just saying, let me out of here so I can preach out there. They go, while I'm here, let me preach to you. Are you all hearing this? Besides, I mean, I just love this. I think it's encouraging and challenging. Third question I'm asking in this text is, do I trust God for the long haul? Now, what's really interesting is what happens next. So, so they heard this, they were enraged, and they wanted to kill him, verse 33. So the, the, the Sadducees and the priests are not moved by this sermon. You ever heard a sermon so great? You're like, oh, man, it's just changed my life. Come on, please say amen. Just affirm your pastor. For, have you ever heard a sermon that just moved you so much? You're like, yes, Lord. Oh, thank you, God. The Sadducees were so mad they wanted to kill him. I don't know how you get that job on the dream team. There is no assassination squad at Life Point Church. You know what I'm saying? There's no like secret dream team, like the Amish Mafia team that just like assassination teams. That's, that's a recent conversation I was having with a friend of mine. Anyway, there's no assassination kill squad at the Life Point Church, just so you know. But that's what these priests were doing. And then a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel stands up. He's a teacher of the law held in honor by everybody. Now Gamaliel, this is an introduction of Gamaliel who would be later, later he, he was the primary teacher and influencer and mentor of the Apostle Paul. So Gamaliel has been quiet. You ever have like the old wise guy who like never speaks, but when they speak, everyone listens? That's Gamaliel, right? It's the law of E.F. Hutton. John Maxwell talks about when he speaks, everybody listens. Gamaliel st stands up and watch what he does. He, he, I'm gonna read it to you. Gamaliel stands up and he gives orders, put these guys outside. In other words, Peter, James, you guys go outside for a little bit. And then he says to the, the council, Men of Israel. And you know everybody's going, oh yeah, Gamaliel's up. It is game over. It's curtains for these fools. Gamaliel goes, men of Israel, take care of what you're doing to these men. In other words, be careful. For before these days, 
This is just wisdom of age, that only comes with age. You got to live through some stuff before you can have this kind of language, right? He goes, before these days with this Jesus cult, that's what they thought of it, right? You remember Theodos? He rose up and he claimed to be somebody. And a bunch of people, about 400 of our people joined him. He goes, well, he was killed. And everyone who followed him was dispersed and came to nothing. This is Gamaliel. He's so wise. He goes, just remember, play the long game. Then he goes, remember after that guy, Judas the Galilean? Judas in the Bible is almost always not a good name, by the way. Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census, and he drew away some of the people after him. And look, guys, remember, he also died. And everyone who followed him were scattered. And then watch this. So too, in this present case, I'm telling you, keep away from these men. Just like we did with Theodos and Judas the Galilean. Just keep away from them. Watch this. It's such good wisdom. Keep away from them and leave them alone. For if this plan or undertaking is of man... It will fail. I just, I just appreciate that. And some of y'all need to hear this. Some of you have been trying so hard in your own strength to get God to do some things or to get some things figured out or to get some things happening. Can I tell you something? In your strength, it probably isn't gonna work. Well, watch this. But if it is of God, he doesn't say it'll succeed, right? If it's of man, it'll fail. If it's of God, you will not be able to overthrow it. This is Gamaliel, a Jew, a Pharisee, not a Christian. This is the wisdom of a guy who knew the pattern of God over the long haul. He knew the story of God's faithfulness to the people of Israel. He knew the story as the the teacher of the law and the, the teacher of the synagogue. He knew the story of God for the long picture. And he's telling these Pharisees and Sadducees, let it play out. If it's of man, it'll fail. Can I tell you something? Hey, think of our history. Nations have risen and fallen. Ottoman Empire, Turkish Empire, Roman Empire, British Empire, even the American Empire is struggling right now. But the kingdom of God will last forever. That's what Gamaliel is telling him. Watch this. If it's of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. Can I tell you 2,000 years later, we're still going strong. And guess who's not around anymore? The Sadducees the Pharisees. Where are those guys? They're gone. Gamaliel says, you might even be found. You might. This is great wisdom. This is a guy who's open. He's a teacher of the law. He's going, you might even be found opposing God himself. Can I just ask you to consider that maybe you can trust to know that God knows what he's doing. Maybe we can trust that to be patient and see the timing of the Lord. We live in such a microwave version of Christianity now. We go, I'm, I prayed about it for half a minute and God didn't come through and God didn't show up and so I'm gonna go, go do whatever I want. Man, can I just remind you that God is moving at his pace, not yours. What's happening around us seems alarming, but it's also temporary. And the kingdom of heaven will stand and will survive and we can trust the God of heaven and his eternal work in our lives. And we can make sure we're not losing our peace or our presence. I mean, it took Gamaliel, a non-Christian Jewish scholar to teach us that we can trust the long play of God's hand. Do you trust that God knows where he has you? Do you trust that God knows what he's doing in your life? Do you trust that the season you're in, maybe, just maybe, as hard as it is, maybe God is gonna meet you on the other end going, I knew you'd make it, I knew you'd follow me, and now I have this next thing for you. Man, can we trust and watch God be God? 
I'll be honest, watching the news, I lose my peace a lot. I go, Lord, come quickly. I don't know what's happening. But then I have to be objective and go, I can trust the God of the big picture. I can trust the Lord of the long haul. Maybe your marriage is struggling and God's trying to teach both of you something through this that you wouldn't have learned in paradise land all the time. You know that happily ever after thing is a myth. It's hard work ever after. Gamaliel gave great insights, helping these people chill out and let Christianity prove itself. Can you just chill and let God prove himself in your life? Let him empower you. Maybe you don't have to be afraid of standing for God at work because God's got something for you as you do that for him. Can I hear an amen, everybody? So finally, these are just questions I'm asking. Can I trust God for the long haul? Here's the last question from the text, and we're gonna wrap up the story. It's kind of crazy, but I'm almost done. Do we actually count it an honor to serve God? See, I think a lot of times our attitude is we want heaven after life, but we don't love serving God all the time in this life. We're like, man, it's so hard serving God. I gotta get up early, I gotta do all these things, I gotta get all this money. And we think, man, it's such a burden. Jesus said, come unto me all who are laboring, I'll give you rest. My yoke is easy and light. Sometimes our life gets hard and heavy, and that may just not be Jesus. But do we call it an honor to serve God? Watch how this ends. Verse 40 says, so Gamaliel gets done with his speech. So they took his advice. Isn't this great? They listened to Gamaliel. They took his advice and they called the apostles back in and they beat him. What? Gamaliel's like, leave him alone. Don't touch him. They're like, okay, Gamaliel. You know, just beat the fire out of him. And, and the implication is they beat the mess out of him. They beat him and charged him again. Gamaliel's like, leave him alone. And they're like, okay, if you ever say a word about Jesus again. They did. They charged him not to speak in the name of Jesus. And then they let him go. Okay, Gamaliel, see, we let him go. You know, I swear to God, you know, they're just threatening. So the disciples left the presence of the council. Probably bleeding, hobbling. I've been up all night. That prison's cold. Oh my gosh, I can't see. My eyes got blood in it. What an amazing honor to serve and to suffer for his name. What a privilege it is to have my face beat in by that priest on the assassin squad so that God will be glorified. Do you consider it an honor not a chore, not a burden, not a, oh yes, I'm a Christian. An honor to serve God. I mean, listen to me. The God of the entire universe has called you by name and says, you're my daughter, you're my son. I want you to look like me. I wanna change you. I want you to reflect me. I want you to obey me when I ask you to give or serve or do. And, I, and we go, oh God, don't make it hard on me. No, 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 God, what a privilege. Now watch this. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing and every day in the temple, every day, they go back to the temple and they went to small group, house to house. And every day they did not cease teaching. Could you imagine me coming to church today, limping, cause I got the fire beat out of me. And I go, what an honor to stand before you today. Again, to preach one more day, that Christ be known. I can't even breathe right now because I think they broke my ribs. But it's such an honor to have a broken rib for Jesus. See, I think they watched their master 
crucified on a cross. And they go, I didn't have to do that. I'll take a broken neck. I'll take a broken rib. I'll take a punch in the face. If it makes more of him, because he did all that for me, it's the least I can do for him. It's such an honor to serve God, to suffer for God, to give our life savings away to God, to, to train up our children for God. It's such an honor to be ridiculed, and have my family shun me. It's such an honor to stand for God in a godless world. I don't know. These are questions I'm asking. If we get selfish, we go, oh, I don't want to serve God if it's not convenient. Or, or we go, what an honor to, to be this good. What an honor to serve the Lord. Jesus said in Luke 17, who of you when you've been spent completely by the Lord would complain or ask for anything in return? Rather, we should say, what a privilege it is to serve you, Master. It is just my delight. Do do you love serving God? Do you love obeying the Lord? What an honor to give 10 days wages. What an honor to serve on the dream team. What an honor to go to church. What an honor to serve God. What an honor to be a witness. What an honor to be fired from my job because I just wouldn't cheat on the paperwork. What an honor to stand for God. Lord, these are questions I'm asking as I reflect on this biography of the first testament, the first century church. Do I count it an honor to serve you? Do I trust you for the long haul in my life? Do I, am I willing to suffer for you? Am I motivated that I will obey God no matter what? These are questions that I'm asking and I pray that we'd wrestle with as a church. Lord, would you draw us to a place of full devotion and surrender to you, no matter what it costs, no matter what you've called us to, no matter what you've asked of us, are we willing to do all we can that your name be glorified, and that your church grow and that your kingdom come and your will be done? Are we willing to give up prayer, time for prayer and, and get up to study the scripture and, and give as you've called us to give? Are we willing, God, because it's an honor to serve you, God. It is an honor privilege. Lord, every, every part of our lives belongs to you. Our future, our past, our present. Lord, we thank you that you desire that we go all in with you. And so that's what we do today. Can everybody just open your hands to God right where you're sitting? Come on, just open your hands to the Lord. This doesn't have to be really profound. It's just really simple prayer. Say, God, I believe in Jesus. Say, I believe he died for my sin so I can live my life completely for him. And I say, Lord, no matter the cost, No matter the time, no matter the journey that you're gonna take me on, I will serve you, I will live for you, and I will follow you all the days of my life. Say this with me, say, I'm all in. I will follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, come on. Everybody give the Lord glory and praise today. Man, what a great God we serve.